Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Welcome back to another, I feel like this is going to be an epic episode of oh, Box Office Bingers. That's good. Like, I, you know. Yeah, so I know. Matt, tell the people why. What, what movie are we reviewing this week? Oh my god. I So this film has been recommended to us uh, multiple times. And uh, people at work I've heard watch this movie as well. And they're like, Matt? You gotta go watch this movie. Uh, David came to you and said, "Ernesto, you gotta watch this movie." Yeah, am I right? Like, yeah, he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna like I watched this trailer for this really crazy Indian movie, and like I was gonna watch it, but it's three hours long, so I don't know if I'm gonna watch it." So he said it to me, and yeah. I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Wow, I really want to watch this movie." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and um, knowingly, knowingly enough, the runtime of this film is three hours and five minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that is a little bit discouraging. But the film we are talking about this week is also our foreign film of the month. The movie is called RRR um, and is an Indian Telugu film. And uh, it's, it's funny because I've never heard of like Telugu. What is that? I don't understand the difference in that. And, and also looking it up. And it's a Tollywood movie. Not a Bollywood movie, and then I, of course I had to be like, what? What's the difference here? Start giving uh, me information on it. I was exactly. very, yeah, I was very confused. <laughs> and so I was like, why is this movie different? Why is it? Why? Why is the T instead of the B there? Um, and actually, it's quite simple. So Tollywood is being being South in uh, South India, and it's move uh, has movies primarily in Telugu, which is the language that they speak there. Bollywood movies are mainly films in Hindi, which is the language they the the languages speak in Bollywood films. So that's the, that's basically the main difference there. There are also other differences uh, there as well. Like they, they're comparing the different types of movies. Bollywood movies produce way more than Tollywood does. Um, and then, but Tollywood movies, as we can obviously see in this one, has way more action, Ernesto, than Bollywood movies have. And it, it, this, this movie <laughs> had an interesting mix that, I, that I'm oddly excited to talk about yes and i'm also really excited to how much i've learned in this movie as well because this is like an avenue i've never been down before so Same. i have quite a few you know notes that we're going to be diving into a little bit later into the show of exactly what rrr is and whether we liked it or not because it's being raved about uh pretty much worldwide this yeah. movie kind of took everyone by storm and like we got recommendations on it like you guys need to talk about this movie. Um, and not for nothing, this is also the third highest grossing Indian film ever. And so, like, a lot of people went to droves to watch this. And it's funny, Ernesto, I, so I actually knew about this movie a couple months ago when, as you know, we do new to box office, the weekend box office every Sunday. And I, we, we typically feature the top three movies of that weekend box office. And one week... I saw that in third place in the U.S. 
was RRR. And I was like, so like it typically when, when, when I, when I see those, I'm like, okay, you know, number one, typical, number two, understandable, number three, no, I, I figured. But when I saw RRR as number three on our US box office, like, um, what is this? <laughs> Why did people go watch this movie? Um, so I was happy to hear that it came on Netflix, gave us an opportunity to watch it, and I can't wait to have this conversation with you later on in the show. Uh, but of course, we are going to be also diving into our what you watching we later into the show. But first, we're going to be diving into some movie news. And Ernesto, we have a lot to talk about this week. Oh, a yeah. lot of movie there's news lot, happening. Yeah. There's a there's a lot. He's looking at the notes. He's like, oh yeah, that's that's a lot. It's like, <laughs> pull out the Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> Get the scroll that keeps it goes down the stairs of how much news we have. <laughs> Um, but this one actually, we'll start with we start with the Emmys. The, this news came out last week. The 22 Emmy nominations are here. The Television Academy uh, has announced the nominees for the 74th Primetime Emmy Awards. HBO Succession leads the nominations with 25, followed by Ted Lasso and White Lotus with 20 each. Hacks and Only Murders in the Building with 17 each, and Euphoria that got 16 nominations. So we're gonna. Mm. For, First, go over uh, the Outstanding Drama Series, and the nominations are for Best Outstanding Drama Series goes to Better Call Saul, Euphoria, Ozark, Severance, Squid Game, Stranger Things, I'm assuming they're talking about Season 4, uh, mm-hmm. Succession, which I believe is Season 3, and Yellow Jackets, which is on Showtime. So, Ernesto, let's go over these uh, these shows here. Um, do you want to – wait, do you want to go back – to uh Ted La- oh okay I um I'm excited to see Severance in there. I think yes. that's that's a, that's a nice surprise for me. A better call saw. I've heard so many good things. I'm just I'm itching. I've got the itch to wait till it drops on uh I got to wait till it drops on Netflix. And this is the final season. Mm-hmm. So, I hope they it seems like they sounds like they've rounded it out in another in another epic fashion the way Breaking Bad did. I think the final th- episodes are airing now. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, yeah. So yeah. maybe, so maybe, because um, you know the way AMC does, it, it's like um, they do like these half seasons. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's just for the first half of this of season six. No, this is the second half of season six. So they're all. No, 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 no. I, I know, I know. That's what's airing now. I'm talking oh. about for what's nominated. Oh, oh, I see. That's a good question. I don't know. This, this because could they're be... going based off whatever's out. I'm assuming. Yeah, and so I don't know exactly when the first half came out of Better Call Saul, but like for example, Squid Game. That came out last year, and so we're now getting it nominated for this year. So, so maybe that it's could last season then. maybe it could, maybe it could be last season. Yeah, um, I know there's a couple of shows that missed the cutoff. I think The Boys season three. Uh, I was reading somewhere that just missed the cutoff. So uh. like that season, for example, if it were going to be nominated for anything, we won't see that till the 2023 Emmy nominations, um, mm. which seems like forever ago, especially for some of these shows like. But Euphoria like, I think... was also intense, and I, you know, I really, I want to go back and finish this last season of Succession. It's, it was good, but I think I was just so, I think we were in, um, I think that's during the time when we were trying to watch uh, the stuff for the, for the Oscars. For the so, Oscars, you know, yeah. So I mean, my, you know, the the list is is always long, but mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm I'm gonna go back and give this last season another try. But I've because I've heard nothing but great things. So out of all the shows here, Ernesto, and we have some great shows that we've seen, we've talked about here many times on the show, 
If we were to give it to anybody right now, based on what we've seen so far, which one would you give it to? Well, are we? But we haven't. Uh, are we doing? Are we doing predictions now? You want to do? Predictions? I mean, this is just a this a small one. I mean, I'm not sure if we're uh, going to dive into. Okay, what, so maybe just just a generic guess. Maybe, I mean, I would love to see it go to Severance because mm-hmm. I think Severance was it was so unique, so good. But this last season of Euphoria was intense. I mean, I don't know. Each each show they've got a lot of heavy hitters. I mean, obviously, I, know. I don't have Showtime, so I'm not going to watch Yellow Jackets. That's going to be the only one I probably won't have a uh, won't have an opinion on. Yeah, I, I, I have. But I would based off of that, not and not seeing Succession, maybe Severance. I, I'm going to agree with you there. I think what Severance did in its first season, like, captured my imagination. And it was really, like, once it got there, it was really cool yeah. to watch it unfold. Um, Succession has taken this award for two years now. Um, I'm pretty sure it got it last year, and it got it the year before as well. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it got it the last two years. Um but also, we're talking Squid Game, which was a phenomenon, Stranger Things, which was a good season, and the final season of Ozark is also up there as well, Ernesto. And they could give it to Ozark, like kind of like an, honor, an honorary award for Ozark for never, I'm assuming it never won for best drama. It's been nominated a few times. Um, I don't believe it. So let's see. It's It won 2020. Uh, drama series. Oh, it did. Drama series. It won in 2019. Oh no, Jesse Armstrong won for um, outstanding writing in 2019. Okay, so yeah, I see Ruth. I see uh, Julia Gardner has won for supporting role twice, and yeah, I see it won for directing as well for the Emmys anyway. So, yeah, they could give it to Ozark, and I think it's well-deserved there for Ozark as well. But I don't know. I feel like what I got out of Severance this year, it just kind of tops it a little bit over for me. Yeah, Severance was just so unique. And I and mm-hmm. I, there there was a lot with, I mean, this is wasn't uh, Ben Stiller directing. I mean, Adam mm-hmm. Scott, I... He did. He did phenomenal. I really like the cinematography, the the production design. Like, there's so many. I feel like there's a lot to appreciate within that show. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on to over to comedies. Outstanding comedy series. The nominations go to Abbott Elementary, Barry, Curb Your Enthusiasm, mm. Hacks, which I believe is the second season, uh, The Marvelous Miss Maisel's, which I believe is also the current season, Only Murderers in the Building, which I believe is the first season, not the second one that's currently airing right now, Ted Lasso, I'm assuming it's season two, and What We Do in the Shadows, I'm assuming it's the season prior, the one because the new season is now airing. Um, this to me is another interesting one. I feel like the obvious choice is to go to Ted Lasso. Um, but I don't know. There's, I still enjoy hacks and you rave about Barry. It's so Barry's so good. You're, you're tripping, Matt. You need to, you need to watch Barry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like to see hacks in there, but hacks doesn't compare to Barry. Like hacks, that's probably, I mean, and David come talks about what we do in the shadows all the time he loves mm-hmm. that he loves that show i'm excited to see only murders in, i'm not excited i'm sorry i'm curious about only murders in the building because like everybody who i heard talk about it like oh it's good but selena gomez sucks like <laughs> yes honestly but it's that's... a show that it's still that good on its own without without her kind of push 
quashing it down, you know? I, I would say that she that I would say that the show is entertaining. Like but like Emmy worthy? Sure. I would I would put other shows in front of that, to be honest. Um uh that's another good question. <laughs> I can't think of it off the spot. <laughs> um but I think like I guess I can see why it's there, but I I don't think it's going to win. Like there's a lot of more better heavy hitters on there, um, but I guess similar to Hacks, where it's like these are nice comedies and they do have something to say with their respective stories, but at the end of the day, you have funnier and uh, better stories being told. With I believe in in like Ted Lasso and you know from what I've heard from you with Barry. They're doing something. And also, Barry, is Barry a comedy, or is it more... Yeah, it's like a dark comedy. It's dark comedy, okay, okay. Um, I think it's going to be hard to beat Ted Lasso. I feel like that's been a favorite for a while, but who knows? And I mean, Abbott Elementary, you, you weren't too thrilled about it. Um, I'm going to go back and give it... I am going to go back and give it another try. And like another one, I was talking to David, and he's telling me... He said... He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I've watched Abba Elementary three times in a row. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> the whole first season three times? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, if you like a show, why not? Well, I mean, a lot of people do that. So a lot of That's people true. like to rewatch the same shows, you know, because it's, it's like comfort food. You know, you already know. You know what to expect. That's fair. But with so many things to watch, and you know this, Ernesto, we, we, we watch it and we move on. <laughs> it's a different style of watcher. I mean, I hear people who are like, oh, yeah, I just, you know. Whenever I just want to have something on, I'll just put like friends on in the background while I'm around, while I'm walking around doing stuff. I, I can yeah. hear it in the distance and not feel like I'm missing out on anything. It's almost like to them, it's like listening to it's like podcast listening almost. Uh, I mean, you're you're right. We all watch differently, um, and, and it's funny because I do buy movies, like I own them, but like the likelihood of me actually wanting to revisit it, unless I'm doing some prep for another movie. Um, it's rare because there, there, right now there's so many things to watch like that are new. It's hard to go back in my opinion. But what if we lose, what if you, what if, what if one day, I mean, we obviously we don't know the likelihood, but it's not, it's not totally outside the realm. Like what if all digital media got deleted? All you would have left are your physical discs. That you is correct. Be glad that, you would be glad that you have them at that point. I mean, you're right, because I have, in my opinion, I have some great stuff here that I enjoy watching. So yeah, that like I, even I, if you were to drop some of the streaming services, you'd be like, at least I have a copy of the ones that I really love that I would yeah. love to rewatch. And, and before, have. and before streaming, I used to buy like box sets of like TV shows. Like I, mm. I have, I have all of Big Bang Theory. I have all of Breaking Bad. I have all of Boy Meets World. Um, I don't remember. I know I have okay. more. So hold but... on. So you have all of Breaking Bad, and you haven't even attempted to watch Better Call Saul? No, I have. I've seen the whole first season of Better Call Saul. There's like this... five. There's five. There's six seasons. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm do, you aware. Like, do you not like it? Do you not like it? I feel like with Better Call Saul, like because I I had watched it. I think I remember watching Better Call Saul on the Netflix schedule. So it it came out, and then I it ran through. I watched it when it came on Netflix, the whole first season. And then I was going to keep up with it week to week when season two came out. I think I watched the first two episodes of season two, and then I just stopped. I don't know why. Mm. I kind of just fell off, and now it's been years later. I have to start back from the beginning if I'm going to do this. 
And then their season one, I feel the exact same way about Breaking Bad season one. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't like I liked it, but I didn't necessarily love it. But a lot of great shows to me, a lot of great shows, their first seasons are good, but they're not the best because it's just it's like a lot of setup, a lot of story building. Yeah. Um, you get a like you get your pivotal moments, but it's not like where you really love the show is like later on. Like look at and, Breaking, like Breaking Bad, perfect example. And and there are some shows like I mean we we follow into it. We love Superstore, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like those are the shows that like we were able to get hooked on really early, and we were able to give it that week to week or that binge or whatever. But I think with some shows as well, and then for me, Better Call Saul, and even for Breaking Bad, I didn't watch Breaking Bad until all of it was over. So I so like it was all of it was on Netflix, and so we Megan and I we just binged all of it in in a few months. So I feel like. That since I know that Better Call Saul is going to get better or it has gotten better. <laughs> nice. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> has has gotten better from its first season and people are just raving about it. It's getting nominated for awards. I think when everything is said and done, I think for me that would be a perfect time to go back and, and kind of just binge the whole series. And very much like I did with Breaking Bad. And I think that way I'll, I know that there's more episodes, there's more to come, I'm not waiting for it, it's all there, and I think I might enjoy it a lot more. I know it's a show that I will like, um, but, you know, I gotta just get there. Yeah. So all right. you'll get there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the last uh, nominations we're gonna go over here is for Outstanding Limited and uh, or ontho- Anthology Series, and the nominations are Dope Sick, The Dropout, Inventing, and... Pam and Tommy and White Lotus. Ernesto, I know you've seen a few of these. Yeah, I mean, I think between both of us, we've watched most of these, except for I don't uh, Inventing Anna. I don't remember. I don't. No, no Sonic. That... I had watched Sonic. I had watched Inventing Anna. Yeah, it's on. It's on my list. It does look good. Yeah, it, it is a limited series. I am interested. Obviously, Julia Garner is involved. She's a lead, and I'll watch her in anything from based on her performance on Ozark. Um, uh, as far I would like, um, I think. For me, it would be between Dope Sick and White Lotus. I think, like, if they're both good in their own respect. Like, White Lotus is just a great fictional story that was just told in a very entertaining and creative way. And But Dope Sick, like, that, that series has a message. Like, really takes a, shines a light on history and packages it up that you can consume it and understand exactly what happened with the with how um with how these drugs were introduced into our into our country and not through these companies and based on previous awards i think like dope sick is a high contender of winning even though i haven't seen it but you know last year it was getting nominated for other award shows and it's won and michael keaton won for his performance as well so um and you've watched it so you said it was a good show um yeah i liked I, I really like Pam and Tommy. I'm happy to see that that's there. I think that was a great fun show to watch. Um, and also, a, like, it highlights a pivotal point in, in our American culture and Hollywood culture. Um, and so I think that was a great show. It's a great limited series. Um, and we both love White Lotus. We both enjoyed that yeah. show. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of takes it randomly. But I feel like it's I feel like it is between Dope Sick and White Lotus. Um, just uh, out of sure, like, you know, what the reception has been for the other, uh, for these shows, but yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to catch up on some of these ones that we've missed leading up to the Emmys and see, 
see what happens. This, I mean, this is, seems like a good year. There's a lot of good shows, a lot of good, a lot of good things to watch. Yeah, and you know, I definitely want to watch Inventing Anime. I mean, the 74th Emmy Awards will be broadcast live on Monday, September 12th at 8 p.m. on NBC, and they'll also stream it live on Peacock. So we have a while for to catch up on these shows. Obviously, we're in July now. These these awards are in September, which is also for me, it's quite crazy. Like. This is a two month in advance for these awards. Like the Oscars, I don't think even do that. They give you, they yeah, give you like about, a, yeah, they, they give you like a month. Numbers of, up. <laughs> absolutely. Like we got, we got to get these, we got to watch these, we got to watch this stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think we have plenty of time to catch up on a few things. I definitely want to watch Inventing Anne and Dope Sick before this. I, I don't see myself uh, watching Miss Maisel, but I will try to get Barry in there and Euphoria. And I know Euphoria is uh, is uh, is hard material, so I was maybe, just about to say, it's yeah, like it come, be prepared, like yeah, <laughs> it's really intense. <laughs> um, so there you go; those are the Emmy nominations. Obviously, there's a lot more, but we will be talking about all the other nominations all day. Uh, but we'll definitely uh, in September we'll definitely give you guys the lowdown of the awards and the win the winners and whatnot uh, when that happens. Um, so moving on from that, apparently. A lot of people have a lot of things to say when you are being interviewed for certain upcoming projects. And that <laughs> actors, that goes from all over the spectrum of actors, directors, and studio executives, all were being reviewed for their upcoming projects. And they had some very interesting things to say, and we're going to be talking about them. Uh, so let's start with actor Daniel, uh, Daniel Kaluuya who said in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter that his heartbroken live-action Barney movie is still in early development and that the script is currently being reworked. He apparently first announced that he was involved in this project back in 2020, but not much news has been around it since then. And this is the interesting part. He says, uh, Barney taught us, I love you, you love me, won't you say you love me too? That's one of the first songs I remember and what happens when what and what happens when that isn't true? I thought it was really heartbreaking. Kaluya said, "No, I have no idea why, but it feels like that makes sense. It feels like there's something unexpected that can be poignant but optimistic, uh, especially in uh, especially at this time now. I think it's really really needed." Mm. What do you think about that, Ernesto? That feels like that we are really thinking hard about this live-action Barney movie. But I mean, look at kind of, but look at the kind of actor that he is. Like, look, mm-hmm. look at what he, look, Judas and the Black Messiah, Black Panther, Get mm-hmm. Out. I mean, this guy is this guy is a heavy hitter. Like anything he touches, does great. So it'd be interesting to see what he can bring <laughs> to Barney. Like. But it, I mean, it's true. I used to love. I mean, I used to love watching Barney when I was a kid. Yeah, I watched it as well. I just can't fathom to have or to see this like the way that he's making it sound like a somewhat of a serious film for, for you know what was actually a children's program that makes you feel like to be loved. I, I I'm having a hard time seeing Character that. Piece. Now maybe it's about now maybe it's about a a kid growing up with Barney. And then like him living his life with that mi- with that mindset and like having seeing how bad it how bad that could be having the world beat you up just going through with that mindset if well, that was the only thing you lived off of well I I, there's you a lot mean, of different you may, things they could do 
you, you actually made a really good, really good pitch for a movie there. I mean, yeah, you're kind of analyzing a uh, a children's programming and it kind of led with you to adulthood and what happens when the world doesn't love you back and you were taught that I love you and then you love me. That that's how it works. And what if um, that kid? And that what if that person is an adult? Daniel Kaluuya, like. Yeah, so yeah, like what an actor to bring that to bring that role to life. Seriously, it definitely begs a lot of questions on what this is going to turn into. Um, they said they're rewriting the script, so maybe they found an idea that can actually work. And he's calling it a heartbreaking story, so it feels very live action. Live action. <laughs> I love you, Barney. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said you loved me too. <laughs> I I mean it's I'm very intrigued. I, I can't oh, wait my. to either see an image, a poster, uh, a trailer, I want anything that's going to be or surrounding this. Um I'm interested. It's actually kind of well from what we know, it's maybe similar to what um uh well, the the Barbie movie that's coming out that's going to be coming very out next year. Very true. I mean, you could exactly, you know, that's very true. You could say the same thing about Barbie, like, especially with like the um, the music video that already kind of <laughs> set a little mini world for Barbie. Like, yeah. And if you know, that's what you think of, like popcorn, bubbly. Mm-hmm. You don't think of, you don't think of have it, having any depth. But I'm actually another one. That's another one I'm excited to see. Yeah, especially since like we, we're getting more about it. I'm trying to remember the. Uh, the director's name, Greta Gerwig. I don't oh, know why yeah. I forgot that. Yeah. Um, and with her attached to it, and we've talked about this before, like, obviously, they're, they're sending a message with this movie. And, and I mean, I guess that's all you really need. If you can give me a heartwarming message around it or a purpose for this to be here with these characters, I'm on board. And it's being touted as, like, a highly anticipated movie for next year. Yeah. Uh, I think so. I think it will be. It'll And then it'll be a, uh, it's going to be Oscar bait. Right? It feels like it, too. I feel oh, like it any it's movie a Greta Gerwig film. Of course it's going to be Oscar bait. <laughs> um, on a side note, it was also revealed that Daniel Kaluuya will not be reprising his role in Black Panther Wakanda Forever as filming conflicted with his commitment to Jordan Peele's Nope, which comes out this week. So that's sad to hear that he's not going to be involved with Black Panther, um, considering that he you know, he was somewhat involved in the first movie quite a bit, if, you know, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that's to say he couldn't come back for the next one, just maybe not be in this one. Very true. Very true. Um, But I'm also very excited for Nope, so I'm not too mad at it. You know, Nope looks... Not looking at any reviews, but early early reviews look... I see a lot of high numbers. Mm -hmm. It looks promising. I mean, who who are we kidding? It's Jordan Peele, right? Uh, He's already... It's going to be great. He already brings in a lot of hype because it's Jordan Peele. So I uh, I'm very looking forward to that movie. Um, all right, so let's move over. Let's move on to director James Cameron, where in an interview with the Empire Magazine, he is already trying to get ahead of the possible criticism he thinks he's going to get for the lengthy runtime of his new film Avatar: The Way of Water, releasing in theaters this December. While the run while an official runtime has not been revealed, the director says. He can already see the comp, uh, uh, the, sorry, uh, the complaints uh, in the critics' reviews. <laughs> this is quite hilarious, in my opinion. Cameron says that criticizing a movie's runtime feels unfair when so many people are willing to binge watch hours and hours of television in one sitting. And this is the part that's comical. He said, "I don't want anybody whining about length when 
they sit and binge watch television for eight hours. I can almost write this part of the review. The agonizingly long three-hour movie, it's like, give me a fucking break. I watched my kids... <laughs> I've watched my kids sit and do five one-hour long... Uh, I'm sorry. I watched my kids sit and do five one-hour episodes in a row. Here's the big special... Pro- Here's the big social propaganda shift that has to happen. It's okay to get up and go pee. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so let's unpack that a little bit. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> So uh, is he already letting us know that the movie's going to be more than three hours? The one movie's going to be more than three hours long? I mean, I, the way – because he said, quote, I can already read the headline out now, the agonizingly long three-hour movie. So I'm assuming it's at least three hours. Yeah, you just got to be prepared. That's that's your day. <laughs> right, yeah, that, that you're spending a lot of time. And also, this is this movie's coming out during the holidays, so this is going to be part of your, your winter break there um, and your holiday season if you decide to go watch this movie. But all jokes aside, he's not wrong, though. Like, no, he's, he's not... He's not wrong. He's not wrong where... Uh, right, where is it? Uh, he says... Cameron says that criticizing the movie's runtime feels unfair when so many people are willing to binge watch hours and hours of television in one sitting. He's That's, absolutely correct. He's absolutely – I 100% agree with that. Um, and, I mean, hell, we just watched a three-hour and five-minute movie for our review for this week. Um, I mean, we did it at home, granted, so we could have paused it and do whatever the case we wanted to. But oh, I, I watched we, it in like – I think two or – it took me like two or three sittings to finish it. Okay, and I did it in two sittings as well. Like, I got about halfway, and then I stopped and went to bed and picked up the next morning. Um, but I guess, obviously, at home, we have the option to do that. But when you go in the theater, you're committing to that. But with a lot of movies nowadays, I mean, hell, just this year alone, we have uh, Jurassic World Dominion that was, like, 245. Uh, we had, uh, what was the other one? Batman that was also, like, 236. It was also another long movie. Um, and I feel like I'm missing one that was also another long one. But... I mean, movies are getting longer. I mean, hell, we just watched a Stranger Things episode that was two and a half hours. Like One episode was two one, and a half hours. Exactly. And he's not wrong. If, if people sit down for the majority of the day and can watch five one-hour-long episodes in a row, not even bat an eye. But I think the problem is, is that people are actually going to the theater. When you're at home, you have the option to hit that pause button. You don't have that option in the theater, so people feel the need, I mean, myself included, that I don't want to get up because I don't want to miss any part of the movie because I have to go use the bathroom. But I feel like you set yourself up that you know you're going to be sitting down and watching a three-hour movie. Exactly. Like, like You know I'm, the runtime before you go in. Right. Everyone knows the runtime before you go in. Like You know how long this movie is going to be. And just prepare yourself. I mean, we all can do it. We did it for Avengers Endgame, and we're all excited for the results. I don't think we should fault a movie for being three hours long. That's yeah. the direction the director wanted to take to tell this story, and that's perfectly valid. And if you don't want to see it in the theater, nothing's stopping you from waiting and watching it at home. So you can pause it when you want to. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to be so angry about it. But... Right, yeah. His but I get it. Were... Like, he doesn't want to get – she's like, don't – He's like, don't shit on it just because of the of the runtime. If not, right. if it's entertaining and you're giving us a great story, then we don't feel. Then you don't. When you're along for the journey, you're not clock watching. You're not looking to see how long how long the movie is. If you're really engaged, 
Like, if you're really loving what's happening. So if you, as long as you give us a great film, you don't have to worry about the runtime. Like, and, did you and ever that, watch The Irishman again? Was that That's another three-hour movie. That was, like, very long. But you're, but you're absolutely right. You make a valid point. Like, if your movie is good and is entertaining and it can carry – and it's worth carrying your story for three hours, then no one's going to talk about the runtime because everyone's going to be talking about the movie. Exactly. Uh, I don't remember anyone talking about – I mean, yes, at the beginning, people were talking about how long Avengers Endgame was, but when you watched it, you're like, three hours? Well, I can go another two. I mean, that was great. It was a great movie, you know? So, yeah. So, now, at this point, now we go to James Cameron, put your money where your mouth is. You tell us not to bitch about a three-hour movie. Now, we're asking you to give us a movie that's worth three hours. So, uh, I, but regardless, I'm going to go watch it, no, no matter how long the movie is. Yeah, I'm going to watch it either way. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, so yeah, James Cameron, you do you. We're gonna watch. I just have he just he just better know that people are gonna have high expectations. We've been how long has it been since the last one? Uh, 2009. So we're probably 13 years. Yeah. So you've had a long time to to tell us a really good story. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So let's let's own up to that. Um, um, and so lastly, let's talk about what Sony Pictures Motion Group. uh, I'm sorry, Sony Pictures Motion Picture Group co-presidents Sanford. Panich, 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 and uh, Josh Greenstein uh, had to Steam. say Greenstein, Greenstein, Greenstein? Greenstein. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, where they said in an interview with Vulture that Sony Pictures should be credited as bringing audiences back to the theater and not Top Gun Maverick. So let me explain here. There's a lot, also a lot to unpack, and okay. we'll we'll see this. I'll, I'll, I'll let me explain. Top Gun Maverick has been hailed by many in the press as reigniting um, the box office after the pandemic struggles, with the film earning uh, $617 million domestic and $1.9 billion worldwide, which is a lot of money. Um, But as the Sony bosses see it, Sony Pictures was one of the first studios to bring audiences back to the theater in, in mass during the pandemic. The studio opened Venom Let There Be Carnage in October of 2021 to a $90 million debut, making $506 million worldwide. Then in November, released Ghostbusters Afterlife, which made $204 million worldwide. And then in December, released Spider-Man No Way Home, which earned $1.9 billion worldwide, becoming the third highest grossing film in history. They quoted saying, when we first started releasing movies last October, there were really no other big movies. Everyone had pushed back their movies, uh, pushed back their big movies to 2022, to this summer. We took a big gamble putting Venom in theaters. We then doubled down with Ghostbusters. Then our biggest bet was, our biggest bet ever was when we, I'm sorry, our biggest bet was when every tenfold uh, film or studio had fled, and we tripled down with Spider-Man, our biggest, most important IP. And so they continue to say, there's so much press about Top Gun Mavic right now, it's like the movie business is back. In a weird way, I would say Top Gun is benefiting, benefiting from us taking our shot. Venom is the start of that story that allows Top Gun to do the kind of business it did. These things don't happen overnight. All of Sony's box office wins, starting with Venom, Let There Be Carnage, paved the way for Top Gun Maverick to blast off. So they're they're not talking about 
movies in general. They're talking about Sony movies collectively. Yeah, collectively, yeah. So basically, reiterating what I just said, they're basically saying that a lot of people are saying that Top Gun is the movie that brought people back to the theaters. And they're like, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. We we released Venom, we released Ghostbusters, and we released uh, Spider-Man. All at the end of 2021, when nobody was doing that right now, no other big studio was doing that solely in the theaters, and so we think we should get credit for bringing people back to the theater and not Top Gun. Yeah, um, I would argue that um, the one that really, the one that started it, that took the first hit was Tenet. I think. I, I mean, agree. But that, but then that, then that goes back. Like I don't know if they're just. It seems like they're just talking about specifically Sony movies. Well, yeah, I mean, but they're saying that they were the ones to do it. Now, for our conversation, yeah, we can go back and look at Tenant as being the first, then then that's being Warner Brothers to be the first movie studio to be like, let's see how this works. Yeah, and let's continue to let's let's be the first ones to try to right. just to try to bring people back to the theaters, like and, knowing that they're gonna take a hit, but that. You know, somebody has to take that first hit. I don't think I just don't think that's fair of them to like just say that it's just Sony Pictures that's the one that's brought people back. Right. And I believe that I mean how we can even give credit to Marvel right before Venom Let the Recarnage, Shang Chi came out in September, brought to you by Marvel and Disney Studios. And technically that if I, if I remember if my memory serves me correct, that had a seventy million dollar debut, which was pretty big, and also the first Marvel movie outside of Black Widow um was because we don't count Black Widow and we don't count Jungle Cruise or Cuella because those had a dual release. So if we take those off the table, you could have watched that movie at home and pay extra if you wanted to. But for the movies that are solely in the theaters, Shang-Chi was the first Marvel movie to do that, and that was a month before Venom. And it, it in the box office, it made $432.0 million for Shang-Chi. Which, uh, and let's see. So yeah. I guess it was safe to say that Venom was riding on the wave of, of Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, and yeah. Only re- and a lot of people went to go see Venom, Let There Be Carnage, because they knew that there was going to be a slight tie-in, the rumors of the slight tie-in of that Tom Hardy might be in the next Spider-Man movie. So a lot of a lot of people went to watch that movie just to see if there was any going to be any connection, Bill. And if you've seen the movie, you know that there is a small connect. You know that there is. Right. And so I wouldn't. I would say that Sony is talking a little bit out of place here. I yeah. think for the the same argument that you're saying that Sony movies paved the way for Top Gun Maverick. Well, technically, Marvel paved the way for your movies to do better as well. Granted, you guys are somewhat in bed with each other with these Marvel movies, so you can say that Venom was riding on the coke's tail of Shang-Chi. You could even go and say that, uh, you know, other, like Warner Brothers was kind of playing it safe because they were also boosting their streaming service by doing the dual release with day-to-day theaters and HBO Max. But you can maybe give some credit to Godzilla vs. Kong, who in early March... Early March tried to put movies out for people to go watch in the theater. And I remember that was the first big movie I saw after Tenet. And that was a while after that. So I feel like, you know, it's a trickle-down effect. I mean, I would say they're not wrong. Spider-Man definitely brought a lot of people to the box of course. office. So I, I understand their argument there. I can understand their frustration that 
Top Gun is like, you know, with Top Gun getting a lot of press that it is and making a lot of money that it is and the press would be like, this is the movie that bringing people back to the theaters. And I would argue with them a little bit more saying that Top Gun is somewhat the movie that is bringing all ages back into the theater. I'm sure there was a lot of elderly people who did not see any of those Marvel movies but really had an attraction to go see Top Gun Maverick for multiple reasons, especially since the first one came out 30 years ago. Yeah. So I, I think what Top Gun Maverick is doing, because also it's it's a true Hollywood blockbuster, Top Gun Maverick. Yes, yes, exactly. And also, like, there's a, it's got a lot of other things going for it. Like, you know, obviously the connection with the first one. And also, the I feel like it, it kind of pays, like, a great respect to the people of the military. Right. So, like, it has a, it it appeals to a much broader audience than like Shang Chi or Venom or all these other movies. Like, like you don't have to be like, why do you have to, why do you have to humble brag? Like, I don't right. know. Right. Like you you're making millions of dollars. Like, shut the fuck. Just take your money. And shut the like. Shut yeah. up. Take your money. Like, what's the? Why can't you let Top Gun have its due? Like, people can read the numbers. Like, we can see right. the numbers. We remember the people who are watching these movies. They know. So like. What what is the purpose of you saying that? Yeah, I like, mean, why shit on top, why why shit on Top Gun's success when those movies have already had their time when they were out? Like, let Top Gun Maverick have its time and let's move on. <laughs> and you know, and it's funny because not, not 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 for nothing, but Sony, but you are now deciding to re-release Spider-Man No Way Home into the theaters with your super fun edition, apparently, yeah. and just so you Seriously. can rank in more of the dough. Uh, I mean, Avengers did the same thing, but I understand a lot of people are going to go back. A decent amount of people might go back and watch Spider-Man. It was a huge success for you. But, like, you already have your $1.9 billion with Spider-Man. Like, yeah, like you said, let now let Top Gun make some money there, too. Like, the movies are for everybody. And so, like, you already took a big chunk. You got your win. Let Sony Pictures have their win, too. Nothing's wrong with that. Um, exactly. Yeah. So... So there you go. I mean, Sony Pictures have a lot to say, but apparently everybody has a lot to say in these interviews that make some very entertaining conversations for us to have at the very least. Uh, so there you go. So moving on from people saying weird shit on interviews, uh, Peter Dinklage. Let's talk about him. Best known for his role as Tywin Tyron Lannister on Game of Thrones, has joined the cast of Hunger Games prequel film The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Dinklage has been cast as, I believe the name is... Kaska, thank you, um, who is the dean of the academy where Snow was a student. Dig, Dinklage will star opposite Timmy Tom. Tom Blythe. Blythe as young Cornelius Snow, Rachel Zegler as tribute Lucy Gray uh, Bird, or Baird. Baird, and uh, Hunter Schaefer who's playing Tigress Snow. Uh, the Tigress. prequel film... Tigris? Oh, you see, not, these names are not good for me. Um, <laughs> the the you read the book, so you would know. Uh, the prequel film will be directed by Francis Lawrence, who previously directed Catching Fire, Mocking and Marking, Mocking Jay, Part One and Two. So Ernesto, I know you're excited about Peter Dinklage joining the Hunger Games family. Oh man, yeah. I mean, Peter Dinklage was one of the best things about Game of Thrones. Like for all his faults, nobody has ever said anything about Peter Dinklage's performance in that show. Very like, true. Like he's always everything he does is good, and this is such. A, I I almost feel like this story, at least the book. The book was I found the the book way more entertaining than some of the later Hunger Games books. Like I really hmm. I really enjoyed this book because this is like the the um, 
like the villain's beginning, like like another villain beginning story, like another villain story. It's about how yeah. Cornelius Snow became Cornelius Snow. <clears throat> and Casca Highbottom is one of the people who created, he's one of the creators of the Hunger Games. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... I, so and that's what I was kind of I was gonna ask you like do you think this from what you know from the book and the character that High Bottom is do you think that Peter Dinklage is a good fit for that role? Yes, and he is a he is a huge character in the book. Okay, so he's gonna have a lot of screen time in this. Yes. Okay. <laughs> mm, yes. If, if you've read the book, then you obviously know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he play he plays a big part in the book. <laughs> understood. Understood. Um, yeah. I mean, I honestly, I'm not too jazzed up about the movie since I haven't read the book, and I and Hunger Games toward the end did not leave the best taste in my mouth. You know how it ended. I will um, say the books are a lot better. Okay. All right. Like I like I agree. Like I liked Hunger Games. I I like I I liked the the other two movies, but I enjoyed the books a hundred times better than I did the movies. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed watching Hunger Games and I enjoyed watching Catching Fire, The Mockingjay Part One and Two. It just didn't really do anything for me. Um, I feel like it kind of went downhill from there. So, and I and Megan also read uh the Hunger Games, um, uh, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. She's also read the book and she said it was good. So. Hopefully there's a good enough story there that warrants the film to absolutely you know be is. worthy on the big screen. There absolutely And also is. Peter Dinklage it. being involved, that's a big bonus as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that's that's one I'm definitely looking forward to. And I believe that's next year, so it shouldn't be too long now. Uh, moving on from Hunger Games, let's talk about Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers has announced that the Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends are both getting a reboot from the original creator Craig McCracken. Uh, that's a fun name to say. Um, <laughs> McCracken has teamed up with Hanna-Barbera Studios Europe to bring new animated versions of the classic series back to the small screen. The Powerpuff Girls reboot revisits and expands upon the world of the original series as Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup face off against a gallery of villains comprised of familiar foes and new threats. Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends will return in an, as an original preschool animated series with a new cast of preschool age imaginary friends promised to be as silly and playful as the original bunch um Ernesto, i don't know if you watched these shows when you were a kid or younger um but i find it very interesting that the original creator is going back to these properties but giving us in a different version yeah um i used to watch powerpuff girls i've never even heard of uh, to be honest i've never heard of uh Foster's Home for really? Friends. Oh, I love Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Uh, <laughs> basically, it's a home for imaginary friends that are no longer, uh, um, that is, it's, it's almost like this is where the imaginary friends go to live when you no longer believe in them. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. So that's what the show is based around, but... Uh, the lead, if I if I remember the the show correctly, it's been a while. Like he has his imaginary friend live there, but he can still come and visit. So he still like each week he still comes and visits. I don't know why the imaginary friend lives there, <laughs> but it's been a long time since I've seen the show. But I find it interesting that the show is not being you know rebooted as a show for what I believe to be like. You know, the tween age, like, you know, 10 to 12, I think that was the audience 
Um, but in case, in, but in, in this case, it's being made for preschoolers for this reboot. So I find that interesting that they're taking this a completely different direction and not for us as an audience or the adults. Whereas the Powerpuff Girls feels like it are it is being made for a more potentially a more adult audience if they're going back and continuing stories from the original series. Yeah, it just I mean that that's because you're not going to regain you don't want to retell all these old kids stories like you need to the audience who's going to watch it is going to be there you need to write it for them. And, right. then they, and then they'll get their kids to watch the original series and then eventually watch the new series. But I don't remember, did they cancel the CW one? So, so this, the live-action CW one is still in early development. Yeah. I don't know with the merge... involved in that. I wonder what that's, his involvement is with that. That's a good question. I know that uh, a while back when they were filming the pilot, like some footage or a photo got leaked and everyone just trashed it. And then executives got to look at the pilot and they're like, this is garbage. And so, and then, um, I forgot her name, but uh, Chloe, Chloe something, who was playing one of the Powerpuff Girls and she was also on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She, she exited the, the project shortly after. So now they're down a, a Powerpuff Girl. So <laughs> this whole, the whole show is falling apart. But according to the latest reports, it's still an early development. So I think they're going back and rewriting it. Obviously, they're going to have to recast. So we'll see what happens there. I'm intrigued. I probably, I'm going to be honest, I probably won't watch this reboot. But I will be here for the live action version if and when that ever comes so, you know, to life. You would watch, you're, so you're, you, you're, you want to watch the live action Powerpuff Girls show? I would at least watch the pilot. I am so intrigued by that. Okay. Okay, that's fair. I, I, that, I mean, see, that does not pique my interest whatsoever. Because really? That has, that has CW written all over it. Obviously, that's, it's going on the CW. Yeah. But it, like, so that means the first season, they're going to trap you because the first season is going to be good. First season is going to be great. <laughs> You're going to see a lot of exhibition with their powers. And then next season is going to be about why Bubbles is depressed because she can't find a man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this: if I'm not like, uh, if I'm not like, if I don't like the trailer, whenever that does happen, then I probably won't watch it. But if if there's okay. any intrigue, then I'll probably give it a shot, at least the pilot, because I am intrigued of what a live action version of that would look like. Yeah. Um. But other than that, like, who knows what's gonna come out of that show? And I'm actually surprised, and to to your point, if we're even gonna get this show because. Uh, they're doing a merger. They're, like Warner Bro- uh, Discovery is trying to sell CW to somebody else. So we don't. We can. Y'all can have this. <laughs> <laughs> you can have this right here. And so, like with that, I was like, well, if you're if you're selling the channel, why are you still maybe committed to the show? Who knows, really? Um, but we'll see what happens. But I am intrigued about the live action show. Um, and the last piece of news we're going to talk about this week is Dean Fletcher Camp. The director behind A24's charming, charming indie comedy, Marcel the Shell. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Marcel, Marcel. <laughs> the Shell with shoes on um, has been tapped to the direct to direct the live action adaptation of the classic animated film Lilo and Stitch for Disney. This news comes after the success of his new movie um, or of his new film, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Uh, Dan Lin and Jonathan Jonathan Irick, I believe, uh, produced 
the producers of 2019's Aladdin are producing this film. The movie is still in early development and has yet to officially find a screenwriter or hire any actors. It's unclear if this movie will debut in theaters or on Disney Plus, but it is expected to, re- to it is expected to be released sometime in 2024. Uh, back in 2020, John M. Chu, the director behind Crazy Rich Asians and In the Heights, was attached to direct the film, but his deal was never finalized. Obviously, since we you know we already know he is now directing the film adaptation of the widely popular musical Wicked, which will now be a, a two-part film. So, Ernesto, the reason why I'm bringing this news up, not only that Lilo and Stitch has a director now, which is fine, that's great and everything, but I'm going to dive into a little bit, kind of a little bit of a tease of my What You're Watching. I saw Marcel, the show with shoes on, in theaters, and let me fucking tell you, that movie's a gem. That movie, really? Because that I was movie, shit, I was shitting on it real hard. I know. Did you watch? Did you watch all the YouTube stuff for it? Like, did so, you ever watch this channel? I I remember the character, and I thought he had a. I thought that character had a long running YouTube series. There's only three videos. Oh, okay. that's it. There was one that was made in 2010, another one that was made a year later, and then another one that was made three years later, and that was it. And the first video has 32 million views. Wow. And and from there, I think his last video was seven years ago. I think we now know what he's been doing for the last seven years, Mr. Uh, Dean Fletcher Camp. He's making this movie. And when I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, I remember him. And so before we watched the movie, we went and watched all three um, YouTube videos. They're only like five minutes each. So like a total like 15 minutes when you watch all three of the shorts. But the movie does such a good job ernesto like it is has a amazing a, a fantastic balance between comedy and heart it's okay. i was so shocked of how heartwarming and funny this movie is and it's all under this optimistic shell with an eyeball and he has shoes on it is it, this movie has no right to be anything there has no, there's no right to be good but i feel like with a lot of these movies that we like this year it, it came from a place of passion. Like you can tell this was a passion project for, for this for this director. And it, it, he also created the character with Jenny Slate, who is a famous actress and who has voiced the, the Marcel the Shell character. And it is, that movie is so funny, genuinely funny, and is also heartwarming and also teaches you about life and grief and, you know, moving on and taking risks. And like this movie has no right to be any of that. And sure, you can take you can definitely take your kids to go watch this, but the themes and what this movie is saying is all meant for adults. Like adults are hundred percent down this, for this movie. Mm. All right. Uh, well, now I gotta go. Now I gotta go see it now. <laughs> I, I I Ernesto, I I hundred percent recommend you go watch this. One of my out of all the movies we've seen this summer. I will say this is one of – well, it, it it's hard to say that because a lot of great movies came out this summer. But I feel like watching this movie in the theater was refreshing to go watch because we're, we're reviewing movies like The Black Phone, which is like a horror thriller, the, you know, Thor, big movie blockbuster, um, Jurassic World Dominion, another big blockbuster. And then you get this this little movie. It's It's 90 minutes long and it's about a shell – that can talk and he has shoes on and it's and it's so like bringing everything down and it's such a quiet gentle movie that has a lot to say 
And it was refreshing to see that, especially to see that in the theater. Um, it didn't make a you know buku amount of money. It wasn't wasn't going to. But this is A24, the studio that gave us everything, everywhere, all at once, a movie that we loved. And so this is after that, they, A24 came out with another movie called Men that was earlier this year or at, and after uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. But then their next movie is this one. And so like coming off of everywhere, everything, all at once as a studio, I was even more intrigued. Like, oh, this movie, this student movie company that's primarily focusing on indie films is backing this movie up to be something. And, you know, you watch it and I just had a smile on my face the entire time. And it, it's so funny and it's so quirky and weird, but yet everything works out and it's a beautiful story. And it's weird to say that coming from a movie about a talking shell, but it's there, Ernesto. It's, it's, it's great. I, I highly recommend this movie. Okay. All right. All right. I, I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, immediately watch it, but if if it's coming to sounds streaming like a good soon, one to take the, it sounds like a good one to take the kids to go see or at least I, watch I, with them. Yeah, and, you know, the director of the movie, um, Dean Fletcher Camp, is also, he's also in it. Um, so, it, he's like, as he is in the shorts, he's also in the movie, and he's the documentarian in the film. So, he's documenting this shell, and the shell and him go back and forth throughout the whole movie as well. So... With, so with all that being said about the movie, when I saw that this guy was directing Lilo and Stitch, this this has now me high hopes for for this movie to be actually good. I did not expect a live action Lilo and Stitch to be anything that I would want to see, but now also what he did for animation as well. The 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 shell uh, is in a live action world and he does a great job with the animation. So I can only imagine that he would treat like pretty much animated wise. How do you have like this weird one eye show with shoes on and it's a very sweet character. I can see them with now he, him having a lot more Disney money. Now him taking on a property that a lot of people were questioning what, uh, what are you going to do with this with, you know, with, Le- with, with stitch? How is he going to look live action? I have faith in this movie now since he's the directing the movie. Well, damn, Matt, that's a review. <laughs> that's a review um, for that. Well, I guess since you're already I, there, kind of give me what what else you've been watching. Yeah, so let's move on to that. Um, the only other thing I've been watching um, is that uh, – well, two things, two other things. Um, one, I saw the GameStop documentary on Hulu, GameStop Rise to the Rise of the Players, and it's on Hulu, and it's about the the whole stock market thing, what happened, mm. and their rise, and the people behind it, and who were um, rooting for it, and believed that it was going to have this huge uptick, and this now revolution that happened um, in, within the stock market, and you know why, and how things happened, how all this happened. For me, it was very intriguing. I didn't know much about it. Obviously, I heard about it in the news, and a lot of people were talking about it, but you really get to learn uh, how the how this group got started, what was the intrigue about GameStop and the stock market, with the faith that people had in it, and then the boom would happen, and the, then the fall of what happened afterward, and like you know what we're kind of also dealing today with the stock market. I learned a lot from that from that documentary, of, because they also kind of explain how in some cases how the stock market works and how people can have these opinions about it, um, and it's also it's a quick ninety minute. Uh, documentary it's not a series it's it's a movie um and uh and it was also told in a very entertaining way 
So I, I was here for it. If you have any interest in what happened with GameStop and the stock market, I highly recommend watching that documentary. It did a really good job explaining everything. Um, uh, have uh, do you have any interest of watching that? Um, maybe, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I mean, this maybe one day if if I have not if it, I'll put it on the list, man. There you, you go. For you, I'll put it on the list. Well, I mean, I mean, you don't have to. If you're not, if if you were slightly interested about how I am all slightly that went interested, down, yeah, I am slightly. Then I feel like, then I feel like that documentary is a good watch. Is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. If 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 you're not interested, then don't watch it. Because <laughs> in 90 minutes, like I don't I don't give a fuck about any of this. It's like, Damn it, man. Why are you making me watch this? <laughs> yeah. Um. And the last thing that we watched this week, uh, we saw the whole third season of Sex Education. Um. It's been a show that's been on our list for a while, and you know, I was making travels a lot, so we're now going down the list of shows we haven't seen yet. Um. And Sex Education, we uh. You know, we, we saw the first two seasons a while ago. Season three came out last September, and so we're kind of late to the third season. Uh, but I, I was actually surprised on how good it was. I'm like, damn, Megan, we were sleeping on this? This is good TV right here. I had a really good time watching this season. Um, it has it does a really good job of, like, it, it's very sex positive um, it, within a school setting. A lot of the first season, the intrigue was you have – like this this guy whose mother's a, a sex therapist and also just a therapist in general. And so when a lot of things were happening at school sexually, he was the guy to go to to like get advice from like what I should be doing properly. I don't understand these terms. What does this mean? And so him and this other girl were charging people to run the clinic. And so she needed money. So she was on the business side. He was giving all the like the advice side. And so that's where the hook of this show was. But it's crazy as you watch a show, and Ernesto, I'm sure you can think of another show that's like this, that the show is a clear focus, right? Mm -hmm. And then as it expands, it's now all of a sudden becoming an ensemble story Mm. where, like, you did a great job of introducing these new characters that now we're watching them and their separate stories of their own lives. So now in the third season, it's become an ensemble piece. So it's not because, you know, things happened with the clinic and, you know, that particular story. And so we've kind of moved past that. And now we get to learn more about these characters that we've seen kind of on the sidelines for a while and give other people to shine and see their stories and how a lot of people are different. And we see what I really like about the show is that we see all different types of relationships. We've seen a couple getting divorced. We've seen uh, like uh, a mother, you know, the, the main kid's mother who got pregnant. And so now we're seeing that kind of like form as a family, but we're trying to make it work because it didn't really work out with other previous relationships. We see gay relationships. We see um, lesbians in relationships. We see non-binary people in relationships. And we kind of how see all that unfolds. And the more characters we get introduced, the more I'm excited to see what their story um, unfolds. So I think it's a really good uh, show that's very positive in a lot of ways so okay. um if you haven't seen it sex educate it's on netflix i highly recommend it i feel like the first season did a really good job of giving us a hook but then like it's really telling its true stories right now and oh. so it's kind, it's kind of fun to see that evolve when you're watching it like season for season yeah i think i think i remember watching the first season i liked the first season maybe i'll go back and give it another shot because uh because i i liked i like i remember liking the first season yeah, I think it's a great show, and like I think so far it's been getting better with every season because I think, like I said, I think it's rec- realizing 
what show it wants to be. It's no longer about these two people. It's about the school and the community and, you know, relationships in general um, and how sex is should not be seen as a negative thing, but as a positive thing. And like we should not preach um, abstinence. We should be teaching our children the proper ways to do so. So we're not scared or we're not, you know, doing things that are dangerous and getting diseases like everyone's all, you know, if you're going to do this, be well informed. And that's kind of the message that you kind of get throughout the series mm. okay. um, with, with, with those storylines. Other ones are different, but yeah. Uh, but that's, that's really pretty much all I've been watching. What do you, what do you got going? Uh, I don't have that much either. Uh, so we're still watching the Orville still mm-hmm. just, it's still good. Um, actually, I don't know. Yep. Yep. Uh, Barry, we haven't gotten back to yet. That's the next one we're going to, now that we're caught up on the Orville, once mm-hmm. I think we're going to, we got to, we also have to finish the boys. That's the other one we got to finish. Oh, we're, I thought you would have finished the boys, Ernesto. I was, no, I was man, really looking forward to watching it. Ah, it's so, sometimes, sometimes it just depends on, sometimes it just depends on what mood we have like that's three fair. or four shows that we watch. And it's like, all right, well, which one are you in the mood to watch tonight? Yeah. You know, um, I, Look, I'm here when when you when you watch the finale. We're gonna have a spoiler conversation on this on this podcast. I'm ready right, for it. It'll this. be soon. It'll be soon. Okay. Um, also, I watched a movie on Disney Plus, Zombies Three. It just premiered premiered oh. last week. My son was like really looking forward to it. He's watched the first two. It was cute, exactly what you expect. It's like a it's a Disney Channel movie. It's just yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like it's a high, re- it's like a it's like a high school musical with zombies. <laughs> And now, if I'm, I'm only going off the poster because I've seen the poster. Do they get introduced by aliens in this? Yeah. So season one is about the zombies. Season two, I'm sorry, season. The first movie is yeah. about the zombies. The second yes. movie is about the werewolves that are also they're like another clan. And then the third okay. movie is the introduction of these aliens. Okay. All right. Um, I. Are you a Disney Channel kid, or did you love the old school Disney Channel movies? It's exactly like one of those. This is exactly really like, okay. Yeah. All right. So, so it, I was, was, I was, it was like it was very nostalgic to watch. Because my 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 next question was going to be like, did you feel like that the Disney Channel movies have gone downhill from 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 what we remember back in the you know early aughts and late nineties? Um, or I think they, like... I think they always were the, okay. that way. We were just little kids and we Got didn't it. know any better. <laughs> <laughs> understood, understood. Uh, and I think most significantly, I finished. I finally finished Moon Knight. Oh, hey, all right, yeah, you got that one episode in. Yeah, it was good, I, but I I felt like I already knew that because I've read some of the Moon Knight comics. So like when that thing happens in the finale, mm-hmm. it, um. It wasn't a it wasn't a big group for me. It wasn't like a huge reveal. Same for me. What the way I took it was, it's about time. Yeah, it's like yeah, because there are a lot more. Many. Oh many really? More. Oh, are yeah, they? There's there's okay. many more. But then at the um, same time, yeah. I don't want just I don't want and I know we're I'm speaking kind of speaking in code for people who haven't watched it. But I, there's I just don't I don't want one per episode. Like you know, just get them all out. <laughs> that yeah, that, that's fair. And I'm very curious where Moon Knight kind of fits in the bigger plan of the MCU. Like I, I see, you know, obviously, you know, you know, for those who watch Miss Marvel, like they've already announced that her character is going to be in the Marvels. We know She-Hulk has a ties with Hulk. 
Hawkeye, you know, that told their story. And But Moon Knight is kind of like a wild card. We don't know exactly what they're doing with this character and how he fits in the bigger picture. So I'm very curious where he goes from here. Um, I don't know. But I what I... I'm okay with him not because I don't okay. think I don't think everything needs to be immediately connected. Oh, how is this play into the MCU? Like, mm-hmm. no, like this is just it's almost like a one off, like a one shot story to set him yeah. up. That way, if he does appear, they don't have to spend a lot of time setting him up. Like he's already he's already been a, he's his character has already been established. You know, yeah. maybe they can somebody might mention him like, oh, you know, this and this happened in Egypt. You know, mm-hmm. and they can talk about his name or whatever, or you know, hear rumblings of him. That way, you go, oh, who's Moon Knight? Oh, there's a yeah. whole season of Moon Knight. Let me go. It's just like the comics. Like you're learning about yeah, a yeah. character, look him up. Oh, he's already got a series out. Let me go check it out. Yeah, and I feel like that's what Marvel's kind of doing because, like, it's basically like for those we don't want to kind of it's kind of like rushing the process, right? Instead of giving them a small introduction in in the movie. Whereas we've seen in the past with like you know Wanda primarily, or um, uh, even even like uh, um, Falcon, he got like you know he introduced in Winter Soldier, and now we see his character grow and continue to see his character grow, and now as Captain America um, in a series. And I feel like Marvel is treating the series as like we want to get these, we want to tell you a full fledged story without giving you a movie. So when we do put him in the movie, you already have the full lowdown of what, who this character is and what they've been through. Yeah. And so, instead of kind of wrapping it up in uh, a five-minute scene in a movie because we got to get on and do other things. So I'm okay with it. I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot to ask the audience as far as, like, um, if you're a casual viewer to kind of watch all these shows – um, and kind of maybe pick and choose which one your favorite. But, you know, as a bigger fan, I, I think it's exciting that we can see something until it's not. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get boring and, like, we're getting oversaturated with all this stuff. But for now, it's it's working for, for you know, for these, these shows happening. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, that's all I got. All right. Um, so let's dive right into it, shall we? <laughs> we're yeah, I, think be... we're, I think we're ready. I've been waiting. I think we're ready to talk about this. Yeah, so let's dive into our spoiler review of the week, which is our, also our foreign f- film of the month. RRR, like I said earlier, is the it's an Indian film, primarily a uh, Telugu, to, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I know I said it right earlier, now I forgot it. Um, I think it's te- Telugu. There we go. It's Telugu. I think that's what it is. That yeah, right. there we go. I know, I had to rethink about it. Uh, an Indian Telugu language film. Ernesto, your thoughts on the movie? Uh, I really liked it. Like, I, I really, I really enjoyed this, like, this epic action drama. Like, I like that it didn't try to be, like, super realistic. And uh, I saw your, um, you kind of your disclaim, your, your kind of pre-write up you wrote for it. Like, I didn't realize that it was a fic, it was that this is a fictional story, but it is about two real life in Indian revolutionaries. Like, yeah. that's so that's that's like, I don't know, that's a super, super interesting. Um, yeah. If you, get if the you opening... don't, do you want to read it? So, so we know. Oh, yeah. The... Oh, yeah. I, did you read? I, th- I, I don't know why I thought you read it already. So it is a fictional story about two real life Indian revolutionaries, Aluri Sitarama Raju and 
Kamaram Behim, Behim there you go. and yeah. their fight against the British. Set in 1920, the plot explores the undocumented period in their lives when both the revolutionaries chose to go into oblivion before they began to fight for their country. These two men never met in real life, but it's based on an idea of what if those two met. Um, I was here for it. Like, and like, and I, I feel like a lot of in, in the Indian movies that I, and I guess I had Bollywood movies, cause this is the first Hollywood movie. They're, they're different in certain ways, but they're also very similar in certain ways yes. where yeah. I feel like Indian movies are tend to be much longer, but they tell you the whole story. Like they don't leave. Like if something little happens, you're going to spend the next 10 minutes figuring that shit out before we move <laughs> on to the next thing, which, so which I'm fine with because they, they managed to do it in an entertaining way. Like, like, like it's a musical, which was, and I like that the music now. Like I feel like that music that we hear all the time. Like it's actually tied. If you read it, it's actually yes. tied into what's actually happening in the movie. Exactly. Every song. It, so it's like, so like it's like this action drama, but it's also like this little mini musical. I mean, you get these dance numbers in between. So like the opening scene was intense when the mom gets her head bashed in, like, and then they just throw the two coins down. And also, damn, they 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 painted a very grim picture of the British army that was so yes, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Just, but it but it's interesting. They almost paint them like how we paint um, the Russians in the in like eighties movies, like yeah. typical like surface level bad guys, which was fine because it fit into like the epic action drama. Like I, I just I love that it that it was also trying to tell this like serious story, but at the same time, like it just did it in a very like fantastical way. Like I like how they each of them like almost had powers. Like they were like flying up the walls, <laughs> like they were like like running with fire, like they always catch things like midair. He caught that branch in on fire <laughs> behind him midair on the perfect spot. I mean I mean I loved it. It was almost like I guess it's like now knowing that it's about these two revolutionaries, it's like playing up to their ideal that these two men were practically gods. And these guys right. were like – and these dudes were like – they literally said, give us the two most ripped men, good-looking men <laughs> in India, and we're going to put them in this movie. These guys were like – took a shirt off. He was like, I'm the fucking Indian Superman. That's basically <laughs> what it looked like. I mean you can, that opening scene where um, – uh, Raju, the um, the military guy, when he's mm-hmm. standing, but when he's on the British military side, and he's standing behind the wall, and you see the riots outside the gates, and he's got that one guy who he goes over, he just fucking leaps over the gate, <laughs> and he just starts whacking people, knocking them out like one by one, and like it turns into like this epic fight between all these other people. When and, like and, in reality, that man would have been mauled, and he would have <laughs> he, he would have been dead. <laughs> what What's funny about that scene is where the the uh, the main officer he was like. Arrest that man, that one in the, in the sea of mobs, <laughs> that one man right over there who threw that one thing I don't remember right now. But just that one man, go get him. And he's like, oh, whatever, man, whatever. Just orders are orders. <laughs> He just lit over the wall. Like Spider Man he like Spider Man jumped over the wall. And, and it, honestly, it was at that moment where I'm like, Oh, I'm in for a ride. I yeah. know I'm I'm in. Like I thought that opening scene was intense when the mom got her head bashed in and then you know you yeah. get the whole you get the whole um 
the whole uh, monologue from the from the general or the the leader of the yes. British army, where he's like, "Don't you know, going over how much the bullets cost and that it's not worth the life of an Indian person." And he's, you know, he prompts his soldier to grab this massive rock and just yeah. bash this woman's brains in, who apparently didn't die. Like, didn't die. I was going to say the same thing. Like, I, I when like, she was at the I... end, I was like, what, what are you doing alive? <laughs> Where's the hospital in this place? I want to meet the medical doctor who saved your life. <laughs> Works 1920s of, <laughs> works of magic those doctors <laughs> he bashed her head in and there was a lot of blood like yes. and she was like twitching like oh she's i was like oh she's dead <laughs> i thought she was dead too it wasn't obviously we didn't see her get to the very end and we we're like yeah oh you're alive wow all right we are not killing her today the director's like not her she lives and I feel like each, like almost like each hour was like its own thing. Like the first hour was very lighthearted. Mm-hmm. It, like obviously you get the setup in the beginning, but you get the start of their journeys. And like, you know, they're like undercover, but then they meet in the city. And then you get like their friendship montage where they're like eating together, <laughs> yeah. like riding bikes together, working out together, <laughs> meeting each other's families. Like, <laughs> I was like oh, so I, I mean. I'm going to be honest with you. The, the beginning, because we also got the also introduction of um, Bahim, which we, he was also oh, in the jungle. Off, yeah, in the jungle, <laughs> yes. And so him, he was like running down this, this was a cheetah, tiger? It was a tiger. <laughs> tiger, yeah. He was – Oh, know, no. He was, he was uh, taking down this wolf. He was, he was going to trap the wolf, but then – or unless the wolf was bait for the tiger, so I think the wolf was bait for the tiger. Yeah. So if so, either either the tiger caught him off guard, or the wolf or the wolf was the was the bait for the tiger. Um, but then you know he like leaps into the air and like punches the tiger. Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> and also like that that the one scene where he's literally holding one like two the two ends of the rope. Oh on, like, yeah. And like. <sighs> Like he he can't run away because he needs to trap the 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 tiger or the, I think it's the, I don't really know the tiger whatever he needs to trap the tiger so he can't run away he needs to like close the you know he needs to connect the two ropes so he can close the net so I think that that scene for me was really intense because he's like this ripped guy trying to close the ropes together and this tiger is off like beating the shit out of him until he's able to close it and you know the scene's over but like they both had epic introductions and yes and then for me i'm like i want to know everything about these two guys <laughs> like i don't know what's good this movie's gonna happen but i'm here for it yeah it it was surprisingly good so then even again in the first hour like you get and then you get this like dance off wedding scene yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i wonder you know and it is just so interesting because like when we do these foreign films because like you get sometimes you get insights into their culture like so do they really have dance-offs and shit like that that's cool i think that's cool as shit like (laughs) (laughs) but also that was like the most intense dance-off because they're they're, they're like also staring sh- eye to eye and they're like <laughs> shaking their legs and going until your body literally can't handle it anymore. <laughs> and I mean, this was the dance off base off from from the British because the, the the relationship he was forming yeah. with with the with the English woman, and then he was like, oh well, we don't like these kind here, and so he's like, oh yeah, dance off. Like what? What just happened? I don't know about you, but it was stressing me out the fact that like like. 
that they had this language barrier and that they were trying, but I feel like we never saw the resolution because you no. know, obviously by the last dance scene, you see that they're together. It's like, yeah. did she learn the language? Did she learn <laughs> English? Like I need to know, I need to know how they communicate now. If, and it was, I, it was stressing me out watching them try to talk to each other in the movie. <laughs> I, I will say that that was one of the, like the, that was the first part of the movie, right? That was the, the, well, it was spring without, but it was laid on heavy in the first hour. In the like fir- the yeah, the first hour. And so that romance, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like we did not need that in the movie. Mm. I feel like it slowed the movie down a little bit of him trying to form this romance. It almost felt – I almost wish that they – in the story, he was only pretending to like her so he can get close to the girl and his mission. But he didn't and, know. But he didn't know. He had already liked her before he knew that she had Millie. So exactly, they, they made it. They made it so that it was important. Like yes, because if he hadn't liked her and he hadn't, if he hadn't taken her to the market, he ne- that's when he learned that Millie was with her and he was able to send a message to Millie. So I, and yes, and that, I agree. yes, and that story does make sense. But like the, I never bought into the romance. Oh, I so I I was happy that in the second and third hour of the movie. We kind of just abandoned that and then gave yeah, us did. the actual story of what we, you know, the good stuff that we wanted to see, an actual story that actually meant something to the movie. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it felt like it was totally, it was a huge shift. Once, once like, we, he sees Millie for the first time and they have, like, that heart, that heartwarming moment and also the heartbreaking moment when he has to, like, you got to stay here. It's not ready. It's not safe for me to take you yet. Yeah. Um, that's when the movie took the shift because from that, from its lighthearted tone. And then from there, that's when I was really able to like get invested into it. I feel like that's where the movie shined from there. Yeah, and then you know, him, they both split up. They do their little side missions. He get, you know, then we get this epic scene of, of where um, Raju gets infected by this, uh, by this uh, snake. It was like a snake. And then the this the guy who got him bit said, "You're fucked. Like there's nothing you can do. Goodbye." And all of a sudden, like. <laughs> Bahim is like like this this is like national med- natural medicine doctor and was like listen I just need some roots I need some hot charcoal like I'm gonna save his life <laughs> and then he although I thought it was kind of cool the way he held the charcoal over to like heat it up yeah and then he poured that hot ass liquid it down his throat it was like he's gonna die from that hot, like from whatever yeah. you just poured down his throat you're gonna burn the back of his esophagus <laughs> no anyway. he's fine he knows he knows what he's doing. You know, he gives him his holy beads, or and apparently, like that's like a, you know, it is just funny. It's just cool to see, like, every, like when certain things would happen, like they would almost like explain like little little hints of their culture, where he's like, mm-hmm. you know, don't take that off, it's bad luck, or like the whole thing that threw me off was like the whole left hand thing. Did you catch yes. that? Yes, like, yes, yeah, yeah. I actually looked was... it up. It's like they don't, they don't, you, they consider their left hand to use for, um, it's considered unclean. Because it's the one you go to the bathroom with. It's the oh. one to clean your feet. It's the meant for dirty activities. So even when you meet people, you meet them. It's rude to you. It's considered rude to use your left hand. Just to eat, or just in general? Yeah. In many parts of the world, the left hand is considered unclean, usually because it's used for ab- ablutions. So if you're left-handed and visiting places like India, Nepal, the Middle East, you may have to pretend to be ambidextrous. It's incredibly rude to eat pick anything up or hand over money with your left interesting okay that that's that i did not know that that's yeah i was during the movie i was like why are they i was like man they're like really like hating on people with left hand <laughs> yeah, but, <left> hands, yeah. <laughs> but 
I mean, that's 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 different people's culture. Like they. That's it, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, we may think it's strange, I'm, but you know, everybody's culture is their own culture. I just thought I just thought it was interesting that it, you know this like this movie was very like and a lot of things like we were able like I felt like I was able to learn a little bit. Like I didn't know that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I learned a lot from this movie as well. I mean, even the behind the scenes stuff that I looked into, and I mean, the big thing for me was Tollywood versus Bollywood. I just thought, yeah. you know, like like look, we we are Americans. We have American movies, just done and done. It's not it's not like we have movies from north. I mean, sure, the directors are from specific states, but it's not like this movie was from a Floridian director. <laughs> no, I mean, but but also which I don't sure if you picked up Ernesto that because this was a Tollywood film the the language of uh, to to well, I'm going to screw it up again uh Telugu no Telugu thank you I mean, it, it takes me a minute to get back to yeah. it the language of Telugu is was the original language in the movie yeah when we saw it on Netflix it was dubbed for uh, the Hindi language Hindi language so I don't know if you picked up on that, but I, I noticed that after I was doing some research, so technically we saw a dubbed version of the movie, and to me it made complete sense because there were some scenes where I'm like, the words aren't matching their mouths. Yeah, like, I, I don't understand. I was like, I don't understand. This is the language that they're talking. Why, why are they not matching? It's like, at that point I just made it seem like, okay, it was an, an issue with the editing or maybe the streaming. Like, I, I might have missed a couple of frames. I'm not entirely sure, but reading that makes complete sense now. So yeah. we got a dub for some reason we did not get the original version that's on Netflix. Yeah, and I think another thing I really love the the fantasticalness of it all. Mm -hmm. Like you know the attack on the palace when they run in, and then like he turns the car and he leaps out. And he's got like these two like these two staffs of fire and all the fucking that was a cool. I gotta tell you some of the visual cinematography, some of the visual scenes as they set up was absolutely like, gorgeous. Like that's like that one in particular, that scene where he's like leaping out, he's got his shirt off all sweaty. I was like, he looks like a fucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the, you're talking about with the fire? I, I would go a scene right before that is when they rammed the truck through the facility. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. No, I'm oh, not talking about. I'm not talking that one too. When when he's yeah. got the water and he's got the fire and they're kind of both. Oh, that yes. And, but I'm talking about when they when he does ram it in there and he turns the truck and he leaps out and you get this full shot of all the animals on the side and yes. he's like in the dead center with these like two staffs of fire like ready to just like fuck shit up. <laughs> so it's funny. So literally right before that scene, I had stopped the movie. I was already oh. falling asleep, and so I was like, I'm gonna pause it right here. Is roughly around a halfway mark. I'll pick it up in the morning. I, when I first started, like I was. Two seconds away from this amazing scene of these animals, of the kids of my head. Where the fuck do you find these animals? That's what I'm thinking. Did you go back and, to the jungle? Did, did you he, have them? I have so many questions. Yeah, I have a lot of, where's a lot musical of questions. Number for, where's the musical number for that? <laughs> I, 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 was, I was like, where did he find all these animals? And they just came out of nowhere in this truck. And we're like, we're going to fuck shit up today, boys. And we're Each, like, oh, my that, God. I mean, I mean, God, there's just – there's so much there's so much there because, like, like all the action sequences have this, like, fantasticalness, like, almost like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon style fighting. Like, you A hit him, bit, the guys yeah. would go flying. He would pick up, like, these big heavy things that, like – Clearly, clearly, you're not supposed to be able to pick that up and just no. like smashes them against the face. I, I mean, it was 
Uh, it was good. It was that was good. a great showdown between eventually our two heroes. Like yeah. this was like their crossword, the crossroads point, and also the story itself. That was to me, I was invested. Yeah, like all you three have, hours, I was in it. Like again, like a little bit of a slow part for the romance part, but once we got over that, like the the story that we were told of this, you know, this military. Well, uh, what was it of of um, Raju? He was. Well, we originally thought he was just proud of being part of a the British, British soldier, yeah. British soldier, and he just wants to move up the ranks. He wants to prove something, and he was given this task to bring down um, Bahim, which he befriends unknowingly, and then later finds out. And then they have this epic duel with, like you were saying before, the cinematography there. Just like any, there's a lot of scenes there where you can just like use it as a screensaver. Yeah, because yes. like it, yes. it's it's epic. Thing. Yeah, it's like like him like when like kind of giving like his super superhero stance like when the fires all the fireworks are going behind him and then Bream comes up from nowhere grabs the fountain and like the water was kind of like going around him like I don't some shit's some shit's going down man like this is intense <laughs> this shit is intense and that's yeah. why like when it's listed as an epic action drama like that's a true a very true fitting for what for what exactly this movie is <laughs> like, oh absolutely like the chase scene before they go and i'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit before they go to the um before they go to the hanging and the general mm. realizes that raju is like has flipped on him yeah <laughs> when they, he goes flying he goes he, i forgot what he does but he yes. goes, the car blows up and he goes fly uh like flying out of the car just thinking so like some of the some of the action sequences they make it to be ridiculous but it works. It just works. It did. I don't know. Yeah. It just works. <laughs> I agree with you there. It does work. And like I feel like in, in a way, because they introduced that element early, very early in the movie, of like how ridiculous this film could be, then I think we just kinda you just have to you have to lean into it. It's a movie that's gonna do these things. And so once you lean into it, I had a lot of fun watching that and let's talk about before before go going further into the movie let's talk about when they first met when this kid was in danger from this train and they just looked at each other and then did some hand signals and were like you got you know what i'm saying okay all right let's go save this child epic he like grabs a, they like grab the rope he grabs a flag grabs a motor and then you and that, that's another moment where it's like the fire and water and like yes. they come together, and then he grabs a kid, and he grabs a flax so he can wrap himself up. It's like they were already connected, and they didn't even, and they didn't even realize it. And then that, and oddly enough, that part, like when they meet, that's forty minutes into the movie. That's yeah. when we get, that's when we get the title card of right. R R R. <laughs> yeah, and which which stands for Rise, Roar, Revolt. Yes. Um. So, which I thought it was kind of cool because it's like all the stuff you were watching before was just the prologue. Yeah. This is where the movie starts when we get our heroes. Finally, they met and they're a team now and they're best friends and all this stuff. And, um, yeah. I mean that that the I think that's the most epic way you can save a child. But that yeah. that, that <laughs> I mean seriously. And I thought honestly the flag was just a cultural thing. Like, oh, he's proud to represent, but I'm happy to see that it actually had a purpose in, in the grand scheme of things. But yeah. I think it didn't hurt that it was all – I'm sure it was a flag of importance to their for the, to the country. And so him waving around as they save a kid is like – like a you know, superhero. It's like, like Captain <laughs> yeah. America. It's almost, it's almost like Captain America and Superman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, if we if so we continue down the line, I think another – like for me, I was – for me, I was always uh, a – um, let me catch myself here. 
I was always into the movie. I leaned into the ridiculous action of it all. And we had that epic fight scene when they were against each other. But I feel like for me, when when we actually got to see um, Raju's backstory yeah. and they showed him what he did was a child and his true motives of being a police officer, to me, that was the strongest part of the movie. And that's when I realized that, oh, shit. This is not just a ridiculous action movie. This is this is now a movie that is a great story that we're seeing unfold. And now, you know, actually just going back and how other things happened in the movie. I'm like, this all is tying together. And so now, now I'm actually appreciating the story that they're trying to tell and not just being amused by the amazing action sequences. And then I liked how in the... In his flashback, they gave us a flashback within a flashback. Did you catch mm-hmm. that? Because yes. like you're in his story, and then in his story, he's reflecting on this other. It's like we went some like Inception type shit. Yes. <laughs> but, you're, like, you're, but I 100% agree. I thought it was so. I thought it was so good. I thought that was one of the strongest parts of the film. That's where they we really got a really true good backstory on this character. But I, so now, I wonder if that if that part of his story is like his true backstory. Of like, oh, it it could be, yeah, because then now we get to the point where we cut back to um, Raju in that in you know after we see his flashback and now we see him in a completely different light. He's trying to mm-hmm. help out his community. He's trying to help out his tribe. He's here on a mission, and now in a very you know um, heartbreaking way, we are now rooting for him as opposed to maybe being somewhat against him in some way. Like, obviously, his character was very charming and was helping his best friend kind of get the girl. And, you know, we knew that he wanted to get Bahim in, like, in a way. But they, I think they really sold you on they were friends. Yeah. And they didn't want to hurt each other in a way. And so, like, Raju knew that he – eventually he was like, I need to do this. Like, and at the, at the time of the epic fight, he's like, I need to do this for my country. I need to do this for, for English, for the England. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, for the British, British. Um, but – we later find out he's like, no, fuck the British. No, I got to help my tribe here. That, yeah. That's my true motives. And then they kind of realize, which we now go to the lynching scene, which that was brutal Oof. to watch. The hanging and him lynching. And then when the queen, I'm just calling her the queen, when she brought down the rope, try this, and the rope had spikes on it. I'm like, that mm. fucking bitch, man. <laughs> uh, I was like, no, fuck her. Yeah. That 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 she deserves brutal. whatever happened she deserves what happened to her <laughs> yeah seriously and she's like he didn't kneel he didn't kneel bring out the worst whip and and i think it was also very touching that at that time we get another heartwarming song um that's you know was kind of like the crux of uh, like the the turning point to get us into part three mm-hmm. of the movie kind of realizing that like raju was was and bahim was on the same mission but they were going about it in different ways. And so I feel like with him realizing, it's like, my way, I'm not doing it the right way. I got to do it his way. And yeah. I, f- I feel like that's when we got another side to the story. Well, it's inter- interesting because I think that's when you start to see conflict in Raju. Like you start to see him like questioning what he's being told, like him realizing that it that maybe he's gone too deep and that he needs to – it's time to now that he's really reached this status that now he can 
he can fulfill his mission. But you're yeah. right. That see that that was a that was a really intense scene, but it ha- and was also but it was wrapped in this musical number. But at the same time, the music was literally telling the story of what of what is happening. Yeah, and and like any good musicals would tell you, like the scene. Um, the a music is supposed to get you from one scene to the next. It's not supposed to be this random musical number just because we want to sing and dance. And yeah. There was there was a lot of heart and meaning with within every musical. Uh, maybe my, by the end of it, there I think it was just happy <laughs> happy song. The very it was last like song epic, they had. like the epic finale, epic finale musical number. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, not for nothing, the music in this movie, aside from the the songs. Man, that's like you know, and you know, intense shit was happening when when that music like like do do do, and you like I'm like oh shit, something's happening, like some some intense shit, and even like the the main theme I heard throughout it was like but dum da da dum da da dum dum da da dum da da dum da da dum dum, and I was like yeah, I like this shit. This is good. Like I'm, I'm like, and then also they they, they use it a lot where like intense shit was about to happen. Like at the very end, where he's like, pretty much any slow motion scene was happening right before that happened. They're like, da dum da dum da dum dum, and then you're like, oh shit, that's like that's your warning call. Shit's about to go down right now. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you that after you know his Raju's turning point, we get that ridiculous car flip scene and. Um, like the, the, I'm going to just call him the King. Like when he leaped out of the car and grabs the gun. <laughs> I was like, uh... <laughs> yeah, okay. He, he, the car is turned over. He leaps, grabs the gun, aims and shoots the car in front of him. I'm like, all right, all right. Okay. All right. All right. I'm Maybe here for that you. might be too far. But then, but also, you know, then you get Raju who's like. Once he turns and then he goes after the after they hide they hide Raheem and then he breaks he like literally breaks the cell wall off and then <laughs> he puts him on his shoulders yes <laughs> they start they become like this like fighting machine together two, he's got the guns on top he's, they're climbing walls and shit together <laughs> the, my favorite part about all of that is when. He like Raju is shooting, and then he brings the guns down, and Bahim reloads for him, and then he brings it back up to shoot. It's like wait, what? Or, the, or when they, they climb up, when they climb up the light tower, and he's hanging. And it was pretty cool though, and then he swings yeah. over, and then he kicks that guy off. They were one body now. Yes, and it and it and it's funny because that, because I mean hell, it made sense to the story. You know, going back to the story, as ridiculous as that sounds. Raju was being tortured, basically beaten. Um, you know, he was trapped and they didn't kill him for some reason. Behem was able to find him after getting information from his wife, who was looking for him after he's been gone from the tribe for so long. And after realizing that, oh my God, he wasn't trying to hurt me or kill me or stop me. He was trying to protect his tribe. I, For my best friend, I got to go save Behem. And that's when, I'm sorry, uh, I got to go save Raju. And so then there was a quick scene where he talked to his girlfriend now i don't know his love interest still like here's the plans you need and then he finds it and then we see that raju was also first doing pull-ups he was like i'm getting strong for this shit and but also like they were kept beating him on the legs 
So his legs couldn't work. So yeah, I guess it makes sense that Fahima's the legs and he got he was checking out those guns the entire time. So like he's he's got him. He's locked and loaded, ready to go for an epic fight. But then that also then moves on to what happened in the woods, where I guess he took on this thing. whole a whole other persona, which I, I mean I think for me that was another cultural difference. I'm not sure exactly what character or what type of person he was trying to reflect in their culture. I feel like it was a symbol for somebody that we didn't know because – oh, did you hear that thunder? Whoa, that scared me. Um, um, but he was trying to represent like this character and then he all of a sudden like he had like the bow and arrows and his leg was perfectly fine now. Um, and he was like kicking ass at that point. Um, what would you think of the wood scene? Oh, man, it was intense. My favorite part is when Behem, like, kicks the motorcycle, and it just, he just <laughs> kicks it, and it just flips over. <laughs> also, there's I mean, some weird, <laughs> there was some weird, uh, like, uh, thing that they had was, like, Roger's on the horse, and Behem's on the motorcycle, and we're yeah. just gonna ride off, like, like, a badass. <laughs> <laughs> like a friggin' badass. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was- uh, it was just it, it had that same sense of like fantasticalness. Like he shoots one arrow, it's like it just per every every shot nails him. Every shot is perfect. <laughs> also, like I mean, but also like we see that in his backstory that he has an incredible aim with yeah. the gun. And like you know, again, a heartbreaking moment to me when because they then they cut back to the to the flashback. I thought we were done with that flashback scene when he was with his father and he was like, okay, I see you can aim. You've been practicing whatever aim, shoot, fire, you know, aim, shoot, fire. And to me, they even doubled down how heartbreaking it was when his father sacrificed himself. And he was the one who had to pull the trigger to the, to the bomb that was strapped on his father's chest to then blow up the, the, you know, the British soldiers that were there, you know, trying to, you know, kill off their tribe. And to me, I was like, fuck they that he had to kill his father that's that's rough man he also had to watch his uh what was it his sister and, and his, his mother being shot. no no his, his brother his brother and his, his mother. brother his brother and his mom be shot right in front of him yeah um which also created i mean all equally as heartbreaking but also created like a tense scene in that moment when all the you know the the british soldiers were coming to invade them and then again we kind of doubled it down we understand like what where was he coming from but with that, we understand that he also has great aim. So him putting up a bow and arrow, he knows exactly what to do with that. Yeah, so then they're fighting in the forest, and then they, they go back to the palace. And then he just – they launch this uh, motorcycle that's now lit on fire <laughs> into the building and just happens to aim it directly into a room where there's a bunch of TNT. Like this just is their explosive storage area. <laughs> so, and, then the whole place, and then the whole place explodes. Um, the wife dies in a fantastical fat in a fantastical fashion. Although mm-hmm. they don't really show her dying, they just show like the blood dripping and you sh- showing that she died. Well, I mean, you see her dead body. She's wrapped around that. Barbed that's what wire. I mean. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I mean. You, but you don't see her hit the barbed wire. You see her. Right, right. You see her already in the dead position. The only person like that main character you see die like that is this king general character. Yeah, and obviously, they I, I, I speech. they give him the speech, and then they, you know, then he shoots him. <laughs> yes, I think that was a great callback to bring back the same speech, and he was like, "This bullet was made by Englishmen and traveled all these seven seas to be here in India today, and uh, it might not be worth." I, I think something along the lines of like, um, they gave like, a number. It was worth. Yeah, a, they, it was worth a certain amount. 
Yeah, it was worth a certain amount, and he was basically saying, like, he didn't, like, he apparently this bullet is not worth, you know, Indian lives. So let's let's just give it to him. It's worth his life. So let's shoot it and kill him yeah. with it. Um, which I thought it was a great because they were hammering down that 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 phrase the entire time. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Here we go. Yeah. It says right here. Um, made in made in an English factory. This bullet has traveled to the seven seats in an English ship. This bullet is more valuable than an Indian's life. And then he goes aim a load aim shoot, and then he used that to kill him. Um, and I think that was kind of like a good good writing, I should say, of like, all right, well, it's not worth an Indian's life, great, but it's worth taking out yours, so we're gonna use yeah. it, as as opposed to basically that whole phrase being echoed throughout the entire movie. Um, yeah, I it it's it's I, I'm really. I really want to see more Tollywood movies now. After yeah. this, yeah, yeah, I'm like, interested. Um, the director had come out with two epics prior to this, and those two epics are actually, if I think I had read that RRR is the third highest grossing Indian film, his epic that he did is the second. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, I need I need to double check on that, but. It's kind of crazy. I'll, I'll read you some some little facts here. So RRR is the most expensive Indian film to date, with a budget of 550. I'm gonna. I think it's rubies is their dollar, but 550 of their dollars, which converts to 72 US, 72 million US dollars. Um, opening day, it earned 240 karok, I mean, or, or rubies, um, and that equates to 31 million dollars worldwide on its first day of release. RRR broke the record for the highest opening day collection earned by an Indian film. Um, and it's the in the their uh, currency is called the rupee. The rupee, okay. Um, so this is basically the most expensive Indian film ever made, and also got huge returns. Obviously, RRR emerged as the highest grossing film in its home market of um, Andhrahar Par. Pardesh, Pradesh, and Taganili, Ta- Telan- Telangana, Gani, Telangana, Kan- Kanagana, Telangana, yeah, yeah uh, grossing over four hundred rupees, which equates to rupee, uh, rupee, uh, which equates to fifty-two million U.S. Um, RR has grossed uh, in the in converting to U.S. one hundred and sixty million dollars worldwide setting several box office records for an Indian film, including becoming the third highest grossing Indian film, the second highest grossing, grossing film in India, and the second highest grossing uh, Telugu film. And so it's, it's also, you know, it's breaking the records. It's no, no, uh, all the numbers are there. And also, I feel like this director, in a way, is kind of doing what... Um. Uh. Wow, his name escapes me right now. Um, Parasite. Um, Bong Joon-ho. Thank you. Wow, I don't know why it escaped me. Yeah, I feel like you know this director is doing the same thing that Bung Ho Joe does yeah. by converting his movies into a worldwide audience that everyone can enjoy. So what what Bong Joon Ho is doing for Korean films, South Korean films, I feel like this director is doing with RRR to Tollywood movies. 
like we are now we you know look how many South Indi- South Korean films we watched since Parasite. Yeah. And exactly. now and now I'm very interested to see what Tollywood has to offer because that movie was amazing. It was so good. It, I, I mean, those three hours literally like they flew by because I was oh, yeah. I was I was invested into the story pretty much the whole way throughout. Uh, same here. I'm just trying to make sure I get the right. I want to see. Yeah. Okay. So, as far as the which one is this? The list of the highest-grossing Indian films. Uh, he came out. I think the I think the name is pronounced. Um, Bahubali. Bahubali. He came out with two movies: Bahubali, the beginning, and then Bahubali Two, the conclusion. And Bahubali to the conclusion is the second highest grossing Indian film. And as far as a film in India, Bahubali the conclusion is number one as the highest grossing film in India. And then RRR is number three. And both so, of these movies are on Netflix. And both, yes. I believe Baha. Bahubali one and two are both on Netflix, so they are. They are okay, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really interested in watching those two movies now. Might, might be a setup for a foreign film for next month. I know, seriously, uh, because I think he did a great job, and now I'm very curious of what this director has next. I want to say his name. Um, hopefully, I don't butcher it, but it's S.S. Rajamuli. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he did such a, an amazing job. And I think that India knew that, or whoever the production company was, knew that he can do... Obviously, he came two movies prior, and one of them is holding as the highest-grossing movie. <laughs> so the fact that uh, they kind of... Hey, here's all the money. We're going to give you the biggest budget we've ever done for a movie. And now that movie is transcending worldwide. And so I feel like this is a director we should look out for, of like, is he going to do any... Is he going to stick to Tollywood? Is he going to move on to directing you know films for america just like bung joon ho does i'm very curious of what this director does next and i'm also i'm excited to see those other two movies i've i'm really interested in what he has to offer oh same same i'm here for it uh, i can't wait i think we we've kind of already set up for what what uh, next month's foreign <laughs> film will, will more than likely be yeah for, or, or at least down the line but he like his work we're not gonna we're not gonna be done talking about this, this guy is, this is not the last time we're gonna be talking about this director absolutely not um but final thoughts ernesto i i think we can both agree this was a wild movie and very entertaining yeah i'm kind of i'm glad that it was recommended to me to be honest like you know he uh i david ended up told me he wasn't gonna watch it because it was three hours but i think he's missing out this movie oh is, this movie is intense <laughs> You want to see a uh, movie about two Indian superheroes? That's basically what this movie is. <laughs> that, that basically is, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was, I, you know, I was a little bit apprehensive at first with the long run time, and the beginning was definitely ridiculous. And I feel like I was going to watch a ridiculous movie. That's what I thought we were going to dive into. But as the hours went on, and I was entertained through all three hours of this movie, I was like, wait a minute. We have something to say here. This is this story's actually good. These songs actually mean something. This action is really entertaining. Like yeah, I'm really action down. Sequences. I mean, the action sequences were on point. They were so good. Um, I I I would argue, Ernesto, this is one of the best movies we've seen this year. Um, it's up there. And, it's definitely it's definitely in the top ten. It's definitely yeah, up there. out of, out of the movies, even compared to the American movies that we've seen, I would definitely say this is the best foreign film we reviewed this year. 
I, I, would, oh, yeah, I think yeah, I would yeah, say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, hands down, hands down. Um, but I, I'm, I'm also very happy that I watched this movie, and and also yeah. like. As as we've done foreign films in the past, we've and I've said this many times before, but I'm happy that we have this on the podcast that we have our foreign film of the month because it it does open our eyes to different movies around the world, different cultures, um, and how you know things are done and how they make movies. And we love movies is the reason why we started this podcast. And I feel like watching RRR is a great example of like. Man, like this is such great entertainment that's not offered here in the U.S. Um, to that level degree, um, and uh, I'm sap- I'm happy that we have an avenue to kind of watch it, discuss it, and be introduced to other films around the world, and then we continue to do that each and every week. Uh, I'm sorry, each and every month. Um, yeah, it's I was I was very happy what I saw, and so I would recommend this movie to anybody. Like, don't be discouraged by the three hour runtime. It's it's definitely worth the watch. And it's it's on Netflix. It's very easy to get to if you have a subscription. Um, but yeah, I I I really enjoyed this movie. I mean, it's 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 sad to say that like out of all these blockbusters that we were introduced this summer, like we can look at this movie as like Doctor Who, Doctor Strange. I'm sorry, Jurassic what? No, it's all <laughs> it's R R R right now. That's where the big action epic goes. This unfortunately like. I wish more people are watching because I feel like it deserves more money. I know it's breaking records in India, but now let's start getting to the American market because I think people should be watching this movie. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, and thankfully it's on Netflix. I mean, they find, they pick, they, and now they've got these other movies on Netflix. It's like, how many other foreign films are we sleeping on that are still sitting on Netflix? So true. That's a really good point. I'm sure we're sleeping on many, many movies um from tollywood and from from all around the world and so i'm happy to discover them and i'm happy that when we actually watch one of these it's actually a really good movie you know some movies we've seen so far it's like all right well it was fine you know but this one like this makes me happy that we continue to do this each and every month yeah um but there you go that's our spoiler review and our foreign film uh r available on netflix um, I, I, I think we picked a good one this week. I'm very happy with this one. Oh, um, so am I. I can't. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm excited to, to review some of his other properties. Oh, same. Me too. Um, but next week, Ernesto, tell our lovely listeners what people can look forward to next week. Ooh, I think it, we've been waiting another one we've been waiting for a long time. Um, we are going to be reviewing Jordan Pill's new film, Nope, and. We are going to have a special guest. Brandon Hadnot will hopefully be, be uh, coming back to the show next week. Yeah, we, every time we have Brandon on the show, it's always a good time. And, you know, he's always doing great things. So we always like to get an update from him, see what he's working on. Um, and he also has great things to say every time we've had him on the show. Last time I think we had him on was for Dune, if I'm not mistaken. He had a, a few things to say about Dune. So it's been a while since we've spoken to him. So happy that he agreed to come back onto the show. And I feel like this is the perfect film. For us to review, because I know he's also a big Jordan Peele fan. Oh yeah, I can't. And also, he we did tell I did ask him that when he comes on, he's going to give us his review of the Black Phone, which I'm very interested to see. We reviewed it a couple weeks ago. Um, we raved about it. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go watch that movie. Go check it out and listen to the episode. It was a lot of had a lot of fun. But I'm excited to hear. I'm also excited to hear his views on on uh, the Black Phone as well. Yeah, and I know he, he went on social media and kind of talked about a little bit and how much he did enjoy it. Um, so I am curious to see like exactly what kind of triggered him to like really enjoy the movie. Um, 
But yeah, but nope, Jordan Peele, another masterpiece. Hopefully, we get another masterpiece from Jordan Peele. I feel um, it. I feel like we will. Right? I feel like there's a lot of good hype around this movie. Yeah. So I'm excited to watch it this week and talk to you guys next week. Um, but yeah, that's all the movie fun we have for you guys for next week. If you want more from us in the meantime, you can follow us on our social media channels on Instagram at box office underscore bingers, where on Monday we tell you, uh, we do a fun little game movie show on Mondays and on Fridays, we'll tell you what new to streaming as well as all the latest movie news and, uh, movie reviews and TV reviews and the newest trailers, all that stuff on our Instagram page at box office underscore bingers. You can also find that on our Facebook and TikTok page at box office bingers. Uh, thank you everyone for listening each and every week. Really do appreciate it. Um, you know, I love talking movies with you, Ernesto. And Same. so I'm glad that other right. people act. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks. They I appreciate right it. Too, yeah. yeah, that's all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not doing anything anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys coming back in each other. We just listen to us talk about movies and things that we like to talk about, but until then come back next week for more movie fun. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. Ben Ernesto Santos. See ya.